0: And it just didn't work out because 17 had so much in it. 18, 19, and 20 is a nice little combination. And we'll get to that next week. We'll do 18, 19, and 20. But we have to do 17 standing alone because there's so much in here. Now, the beauty of this lesson, there's really nothing complex. It's really pretty much so straightforward. Because when you think of David... And we mentioned this before when we started our study in Chronicles. Generally, when we think of David, we think of the big events in his life. We think of him killing Goliath. We think of the sin, the adultery with Bathsheba. And it's quite interesting that those really aren't even in Chronicles here. It's not. And so, since that's not even the focus of it, what are we talking about in Chronicles? We're talking about David. David. And one of my favorite phrases for David is this, and it's found a couple of times in the Bible, Acts 13 and 1 Samuel 13, that David was a man after God's own heart. See, why can David be this man that we look up to so much? And why did the God want use David so much when this man was a murderer? He was an adulterer. Uh, this man multiplied wives. I mean, this guy did so much because he had a heart that really, honestly wanted the Lord. He really did. And what you see here in First Chronicles 17 is you see that heart that really wants the Lord. So the whole purpose of tonight First Chronicles 17 is let's just look at David's life. And how does this look like a man seeking the Lord? And how can we apply this to our life? And it goes back to what we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. If you haven't grabbed one of these, I encourage you to do it. We started out the year doing 40 days of prayer and fasting and we've been our key verse has been Matthew 6:33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you just 40 days for you as an individual and for us as a church to say lord what do you want us to do because it's not about us it's about Jesus it's not about these four walls it's about spreading the gospel that's the main focus so we've been talking about having a heart for the lost prayer god's word your calling in the lord closer relationship with the lord and so we've been praying these last couple weeks on closer relationship with the lord and Having a heart of service. And this is all building up to, then I hope in February here we can stop and say, as a body and as individuals, Lord, what do you want us to do? Because if we really do believe, if we truly believe that Jesus Christ could return at any moment, and we really do believe in this eternity of heaven and hell, the Bible says we've been studying Matthew that wrath is coming. That should determine, that should change how we approach life. And so I want to be a man. I want you to be men and women that are truly seeking after the Lord. Where you stop and you say, it's not about me. It's about ministry. It's not about, about us. It's about service. And you see David here today saying, Lord, I just want you. So what does that look like? First Chronicles 17. Verse 1, now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. Let's just stop there real quick. Last chapter we talked about, last couple chapters, David had a heart to bring the ark of the covenant back to Jerusalem. So here's David sitting in this beautiful house. And we talked about a couple chapters ago how David had this beautiful house built. So he's sitting in this beautiful house and he's looking out his palace window and he sees the Ark of the Covenant. God's presence right there in the Ark is sitting and dwelling in a tent. And David says, this isn't right. I have a better house than God. So what's our first point right there? If you want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart, you think of him more than you think of you. See, David says, it's not about my house it should be about the house of God. I'm dwelling in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. So the first point is, you think more about what would honor God and glorify God than what would make your day go better. Now that is a really easy point. Do you know how absolute, absolutely ridiculous that point is to do? I mean, that is so hard to do. The Bible teaches us about dying to ourselves. Man. I think about myself more than I think about anybody else. We, by nature, are selfish people that want what we want and we want it now. And it's fascinating as I look at my youngest who's three years old and how much he hates to hear the word no. And I thought, you know, isn't that just a three-year-old? And then I do counseling with a 43-year-old that hates to hear the word no. And I do counseling with a 63-year-old that hates to hear the word no. Do you realize it never changes? We just get bigger. Our temper tantrums are no longer flying on the floor and kicking our feet up in the air. But we still have little temper tantrums, don't we? We don't like to hear no. We want it to be about us. About us. David says right here in verse 1, it's not about me, it's about the Lord. This is a man seeking after God's own heart. So our first point tonight is very straightforward, very simple. What are you thinking about on a day-in, day-out basis? Are you thinking about the Lord and how to glorify Him, how to share Him, how to tell people about Him, how to be the, the, the wife or the mom or the dad or the husband or the friend that is glorifying God? Or are you thinking about you? So that's our first one. Nathan, verse 2, the prophet, do that's all at that your heart, for God is with you. Okay, that sounds real good. Problem is verse 3 and 4, but it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says, Lord, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. What can we learn real quick here from verse 2 with Nathan? Be careful when you say go with God. Just be careful about that. There's been a lot of times out here as a pastor, someone's come up to me and they have a wonderful idea. And you're like, that sounds like a great idea. Just go, go with that. Then the more you think about it, the more you pray about it, it's like, you know, maybe that's not the best idea. There's somebody out here at church and I just love and just respect them so much in their ministry and their walk with the Lord. And we do a lot of ministry together in service. And there's a lot of times I'll go up to this person and ask them, hey, would you do this? And always used to frustrate me because every time I would ask them, they would never commit. I'll have to pray about that first. And part of me is like, what do you have to pray about? I mean, this is just a great idea, right? I mean, this is of the Lord. People are going to get saved. This is all that matters. And I've really learned from talking to them over the years, there's a lot of wisdom in saying, let me just pray about that first. Let me just seek the Lord on that first. Be so careful that you are not so quick to say yes or so quick to say no. Give me a day to pray about that. Let me seek the Lord. And I see this with Nathan. Nathan's a good guy. He's a real good prophet. He spoke a little quickly there in verse 2. God comes back and says, Nathan, let's correct it. So our first point on David, what does it mean to be a man after God's own heart? Think of him. Don't think of yourself. The second point we see about David, look at verse 4. Go and tell my servant David, thus says Lord, you shall not build me a house to dwell in. Second point of being a man or woman that seeks after God's own heart, verse 4, is be willing to accept it when God tells you no. Be willing to accept it when God tells you no. He's going to tell you no on things because He's your Father. And He loves you very, very much. And He cares for you. Anybody that has kids at home or raised children, you know how difficult it is to tell your children no. But you also know sometimes that's the absolute best choice to make. Is I have to love you enough to tell you no. Now, the neat thing about David here is, when he hears no, he doesn't throw a little uh, spiritual hissy fit, does he? See, it had been really easy for David when he hears verse 4, thus says, Lord, you should not build me a house to dwell in. David could have interrupted Nathan right then and said, what are you talking about? Instead, he listens, verse 5, For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought up Israel even to this day, but I've gone from tent to tent, from other tabernacle to another, wherever I have moved about with all Israel. Have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel, whom I command to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? God says, I've been moving around left and right, tabernacle, tabernacle, tent to tent. And he goes, I've never gone up to anybody and said, Why don't you build me something? verse 7 Now therefore thus says you shall say to my servant David thus says Lord of hosts I took you from the sheepfold from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel and I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a name like the name of the great men who are on the earth Moreover I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them, and they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more, nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as I previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people. Also, I will subdue all your enemies. Furthermore, I tell you, the Lord will build you a house. Stop right there. What you see here is God telling David, Listen, no one's ever asked to build me a house. You're the first one, David. You're the first one that cared enough to say, I want to do something for you, God. And David... I knew your heart. Verse 7, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. I had you start out in the little things. The little things. I have noticed that there's a lot of men and women that really want to be used by the Lord. They they want it. They, They want to impact people for Christ. The problem is they're not willing to start out in the little things. They're not. You know, I I sent out an email, I think, last week. It was to uh, some of the different ministry people that are involved. And some of you may have got it. But I mentioned a few of these verses here. I just want to share real quick. Because we're talking about being a man or woman that seeks after God's own heart. First point was, think about God more than you think about yourself. The second part was this idea of being willing to accept no. The third part, verse 7 now, don't neglect the little things. I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people Israel. Are you willing to be faithful in the little things? Greg Laurie, I'm a big fan of Greg Laurie. I really respect his ministry and really respect him as a pastor. And he tells a story of just a couple of the things, the first things he did when, um, when he was, you know, first became a pastor. And if I remember correctly, the first task that was given to him, as a pastor, I should say, or as a ministry leader was, they needed a doorknob replaced. So he went. they sent him to the hardware store and said, could you pick up a new doorknob for us? And he tells the story, and he does a great job at it, of standing in front of those doorknobs and just seeking the Lord. What's the best doorknob to get? Then coming back, and once he got the doorknob fixed, I think the next step was sweeping something up. And he just goes on to say how, don't neglect the little things. You want to see if somebody is a servant. Give them something small. And I don't mean this in some type of setup way. Give them something small and see how they do it. Are they going to work as if working for the Lord? Because that's what matters. Everybody wants the big stuff. Okay, that's fine and dandy. If that's what the Lord gives you, that's what the Lord gives you. But are we willing to minister in the things that no one may even see? If you're a note taker, just write down some of these verses. Zechariah 4.10. Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. Do not despise the small beginnings. Man, I can remember when Dawn and I had a Bible study and we met in our house 20 years ago in McClure. One person would show up, and I thought that was the greatest thing in the world. One person was willing to spend their Friday evenings with us to know the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I can remember as a young believer saying, Lord, just let me talk to one person person today. One person. Don't neglect the small beginnings and just enjoy whatever God gives you. You know, sometimes the things we do can seem so, so small and dare we say even insignificant, but it's those small seeds that we're planting that can produce an abundant harvest that we can never imagine. Don't neglect the small things. Those small things may be just telling somebody I'll pray for you. Shoot them a scripture to encourage them. Just coming up to him and saying I'm glad you're here just the small things David the shepherd boy was faithful in the small things God saw that God honored that now before we move on I make any quick questions comments here about anything that we've covered thus far with David being a man after God's own heart okay so first one first don't forget think about God more than you think about yourself second one there don't be afraid to hear the answer no and the third one is Don't forget the small things. Be faithful in those small things. But we left off in verse 10. I tell you that the Lord will build you a house. Build you a house. Now, what did David think when he heard that? He's already got a pretty good house. Verse 11, And it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it away from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. Check that out. David starts out by saying, God, I want to build you a house. God comes back and says, no. David doesn't throw a hissy fit. He waits, he listens, and God says, David, I want to build you a house. But not a house of a building, but a house of a kingdom, of a dynasty. The Messiah will come through you. The Messiah will come through you. Don't tell my kids this, but sometimes I set them up. I'll offer them something, something small, something insignificant. And if they respond accordingly with a please or a thank you or appreciation, then I'll open the floodgates of blessing to them. But sometimes they don't. And one of the points is if you can't be appreciative in the little things, how are you supposed to be appreciative in the big things? David didn't throw a fit. He said, God says, no, I'll take it. And God says, David, I'm going to bless you more than you can ever imagine. See, that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to bless you more than you can ever imagine. Now, be careful when you hear the word bless. Don't let dollar signs flash across your brain. No. Sometimes that blessing is a car that runs 25,000 miles farther than it ever should have. Sometimes that blessing is just peace in the home. Sometimes that blessing is when you're in the word, the Bible just jumps out at you. Oh man, there's so many different ways the Lord can bless you. David was blessed with a kingdom that would never end. What's his response? Verse 15, according to all these words and according to all those visions, so Nathan spoke to David, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come and have regarded me according to the rank of a man of a high degree, O Lord God. Hey, turn with me if you can real quick, please. Psalm 8, Psalm 8. Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? Who am I, Lord? Sometimes the most effective people in ministry are the ones that wonder why in the world the Lord uses them. Because if you figured out why God uses you because you brought some special set of talents or abilities, then you're realizing that it's not God but you. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Who am I, Lord? I mean, seriously, who who are we to do anything? Psalm 8. This is a Psalm of David. Verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? and the Son of Man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and ox and even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of these seas. Okay, on the way home, on the way home here tonight, when you see the moon and you see the stars, who are you that God would even consider you? And that's not an insult. S- seriously, Have you ever stopped and thought about that? This world has like, what, 7 billion people in it? 7 billion people. You're not special. Sorry, God love you, but you're not. If you and I would would just immediately right now, just die or disappear, there would be a group of people that would be crushed, loved ones that would miss us, and there would be mourning and weeping, and there would be a funeral for us. And at that funeral, there would be what? 100 people show up? A couple hundred people go through the visitation. Maybe, what's this just go big. 500 people stop their day to care about you leaving. 500 people out of 7 billion. There'd be no flags, Lord, to half-staff at your passing. Years from now, they would not put a date on the calendar to remember you. The world would just keep on going. But God says right here, He stops and He thinks of you. I think about that. I just think about that in Jeremiah 29 where the Lord says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God thinks about you. He cares about you. The day in, day out activities that you do, He cares. He cares about everything. Everything. Isn't that fascinating? When when I get home from church and I'm talking to the boys to see how school went at home, or I'm talking to the other kids when they get off the bus. I want to know all the details. What happened? Who'd you talk to? How'd school go? What'd you do in gym today? And I talk to the kids after a while, and I can see that they get annoyed after a while. But by golly, I want to know what they did. I I love it. If Dawn and I are separated for some reason, and she's doing something during the day, or I'm doing something, I'm always like, update me. Just shoot me a little text. I don't care if it's silly little things. I love knowing the little details of people's lives because I'm just fascinated by that stuff. And I just stop and I think, the Lord cares about you. And then when you look up at the moon and the stars and the sun and you stop and you say, Lord, what am I that you're even mindful of me? Isn't that just fasting? David did that. What you see here in First Chronicles 17, you see David stopping and saying, who, who am I that you would even think of me? Who would you even think of me? Verse 20 of First Chronicles 17. O oh Lord, there is none like you, nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Who is like your people, Israel, the one nation on the earth, verse 21, whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for yourselves a name by great and awesome deeds, by driving out nations from before your people, whom you redeemed from Egypt? For you have made your people Israel, your very own people forever. And you, Lord, have become their God. And now, O Lord, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, let it be established forever as do as you said. So let it be established that your name. Okay, real quick. Verse 23. Let it be established forever. Why? Verse 24. Let it be established that your name may be magnified. Could you catch that? A man after God's own heart thinks about God more than he thinks about himself, is willing to accept no. He's faithful in the little things. And verses 23 and 24, he does not want his name magnified. He wants the Lord's name magnified. Now, we all agree with that, right? You don't want anybody to stop and worship you. You don't want anybody to stop and write songs about you. Okay? We agree with that. Let's go a little bit easier, though. What would happen if you'd work for the Lord and no one would ever notice it or recognize it? Are you okay with that? Are you really okay with a human being not noticing anything you do and just knowing and trusting that the God in heaven sees it? Because this is what I notice a lot of times with the Christian walk. We do things that no one else may see, know, or understand, but the Lord does, and we just have to say, Lord, that's good enough. As a spouse, you may be making sacrifices for your spouse that they will never know about. Parents, you're making sacrifices for your kids that they'll never know about. You may be doing things at work that no other employee knows about. You may be doing things at church that the pastor and the board and the elders and the deacons don't even know about. But you know what? Verse 24, the Lord's name is magnified by your actions. And are you okay with that? See, because a man or woman seeking after God's own heart is not trying to elevate their name. They're trying to elevate the name of the Lord. Verse 25, for you, O my God, have revealed to your servants that you will build him a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray before you. O now, Lord, you are God and have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant that it may continue before you forever. For you have blessed it, O Lord, and it shall be blessed forever. God told David no, but gave him something even bigger and better. Isn't that amazing? He told him no. And gave him something more than he could ever imagine. Remember that passage in Romans? Our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, all that you say or think. That's what the Lord does. And that's what I see in David's life. David's looking out his palace window, sees the Ark of the Covenant, and says, that's not really right. God shouldn't live in a tent. I'm going to build God a house. God, I'm going to build you a house. God says, no, you're not. Your son will build me a house, but you won't. But you know what I'm going to do for you, David? I'm going to build you a house, a dynasty that will reign forever through the Messiah. Because you're a man looking after me. Now, i got one more final point here I want to say. Can you go to First Chronicles 22? First Chronicles 22. Anybody got any quick questions, comments here about anything before we move on? Yeah, Marcus. if I follow your question I guess the verse that comes to my mind is what Paul wrote that blindness has happened in part to Israel they're so blind and what Jesus was trying to tell Israel and what you see Paul trying to tell Israel is you guys think you're okay because you're of Abraham and you guys think you're okay because you can trace your lineage back to Abraham and what Jesus tried to tell them in the gospel says that's no longer good enough you need to know me and know me personally. So, I guess what I hear you saying there, Marcus, is why is that still a big deal to them? Because they still have that Old Testament mentality that they are Jews. They're of this lineage, and so therefore they're in. And they're not in, and the problem is they need Jesus. And there's a blindness, I think. Actually, it would be if they say that Jesus Christ was not the Messiah, mm-hmm. why aren't they still looking and still. Oh, I see what you're saying. Certain groups are still looking for the Messiah. There is. Um, You know, if you really study out Judaism, and there's different sects of Judaism, just like you would find different sects of supposedly Christianity, and there is a group of Judaism that's still looking for the Messiah. They are. They are still looking. And there was a group of Jews that actually thought that uh, when Israel became a nation in 1948, they looked at that as the fulfillment of a Messiah. Prophecy, almost. That this idea that the nation was saved. But there's still a group that's still looking for the Messiah to come. So... Anybody else have anything here before we move on? Yeah, Shirley. Yes, he had blood on his hands. If you read later on here in Chronicles, when um, it comes to Solomon and says, you get to build the house, and the reason I didn't choose your father is because your father was a man of war, and your father had blood on his hands. And there's a lot of truth, obviously, to that statement right there. That the Lord sees and the Lord knows and the Lord keeps track of a lot of different things there. And David was a man after God's own heart. There's no doubt about that. But David also made a lot of stupid choices. And what you see here in those choices, those choices have ramifications. And and there is grace and there is mercy and aren't we so thankful for forgiveness? But there's also the truth of the teaching that the choices that we make on this earth do have Ramifications to ministry. And what happened with David is some of those choices he made came back to cause problems. And one of the things was he was not able to build uh, the temple that went on Solomon because of David. you You do reap what you sow, yeah. And as we get a little bit farther on here in uh, Chronicles, we see some of the ramifications of these things. David, because of these choices, of these affairs and these murders, etc., he has constant turmoil in his house. We have half-brothers raping half-sisters, and we have half-brothers killing other half-brothers. We have uh, Absalom's rebellion, and it's this this whole trickle-down effect because David was a man with blood on his hands. And there's a lot of truth in that. And I I don't say that to scare anybody. I don't say that to anybody because God loves and forgives. But the truth is there are consequences to our actions. And we need to remember that. You know, Paul wrote in Galatians 6, you do reap what you sow. We do. Anybody else have anything here before we get to the final point? All right, real simple point. God said no, you can't build it. But look what David does instead. 1 Chronicles 22, verse 14. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare for the house of the Lord, 100,000 talents of gold and one billion talents of silver and bronze and iron beyond measure, for it is so abundant. I have prepared timber and stone also, and you may add to them. Moreover, there are workmen with you in abundance, woodsmen and stonecutters and all types of skillful men for every kind of work. Of gold and silver and bronze and iron, there is no limit. Arise and begin working, and the Lord be with you. David also commanded all the leaders of Israel to help Solomon his son. David was not able to build the house, but you know what he did? He got all the materials around to do it. Now, here's a quick point. When God tells you no, you can either focus on what you can't do or you can focus on what you can do. And that's not only with that. That's with anything in life. As you get older in life and there's more things you can't do, you can sit there and focus on what you can't do or you can focus on what you can do. And what we happen to do a lot in life is spend so much time and energy whining about the things we can't do. Where God says, no, focus on what you can do. David, you can't build me the house. David says, you know what I can do? I can get the material around to build the house. And that's exactly what he does. So I don't know if there's something right now where the Lord has told you no. And you can't. And that's really bugging you. Okay, you could sit there all day and whine and moan and complain on what's wrong. Or you can stop and say, okay, that's a closed door. That's a no. So if I keep dwelling on that, it's just going to make me angry and bitter and upset. This is not what I asked for in life. This is not what I wanted. This is not. Okay, or you can focus on what you can do. Lord, you've opened up this other door, so I'm going to focus on that. I love that in 1 Chronicles 22. A man after God's own heart does not focus on what he can't do. He focuses on what he can do. So this is what we can learn from David. Accept it when he says no. Think of him more than you think of yourself. Don't neglect the small things. David was the shepherd boy that came. Magnify the Lord. Don't magnify yourself. And don't focus on what you can't do. Focus on what you can do. And when you put that whole package together, that's David, a man after God's own heart. And what a beautiful picture that is. So next week, we'll get into 18, 19, and 20. It's a nice little three-chapter subject there, and we'll continue our study here through Chronicles. Hey, does anybody have any final questions, comments about anything before we close up with a word of prayer? All righty, let's pray. Lord, just as Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. We're not just saying that. We're, we're meaning that. Lord, as individuals, as a body of Christ, we want to seek you first reveal to us the plan, the step on what you want us to do to magnify your name, to point people towards Jesus Christ, to look beyond these four walls and to really represent Jesus Christ to a dying world. Lord, I pray for your blessing upon Saturday with that evangelism class, that the people that feel led would come out just to be spirit led to tell people about you. Pray for the baptism that you just put on the people's hearts that want to get baptized, Lord, to take that public stand for you. We love you, we praise you, and thank you for the opportunity to minister to you and for you. In your name, amen. You guys have a good week and God bless. There'll be a time of prayer up here. If anybody has anything they want to pray for, feel free to pop on up and we can pray.